Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. good I might as well be good no 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 you didn't deserve it I didn't deserve it and he walked in and got me I was the prodigal son no you don't understand I was the prodigal son I had the religious father who gave me everything he wanted, and I said you keep your stuff I'm gonna go do what I want to do And I tried it all, and I did it all, and I was involved in it all, and he came and got me. He still came after him even when I left and said, God, if you're so good, why this? This is your fault. And even though I blamed him for it, I said all kind of stuff about him, about his church, about his people. Still, he came to my Egypt and took me by the hand. The Bible says in Acts that great grace was upon them. Everyone in here got here by the same thing, grace. It wasn't because you were good. It wasn't even because most of you wanted to. It was because he's such a good father. He came in and said, I'm going to get you anyway. I'm going to get you anyway. So when songs like this come on, it brings me back to when I was broken, I was losing my marriage, I was becoming an alcoholic, I was addicted to pornography, I was blaming God for everything in my life, and one day he just walked in, and he took me by the hand, and most of me didn't even want to go, and he said, no, we going. I felt like the angel when it came and got Lot, and Lot didn't want to leave, but he was pulling him out. I don't know if y'all just been saved too long. But even after I got born again, there was still some stuff. There was still some stuff. And God didn't walk out, and he didn't quit, and he didn't give up. He just kept leading me by the hand. And he kept leading me by the hand. And he kept leading me by the hand. And great grace stayed upon me. And great grace stayed upon me. And I'd minister, and people would applaud me because I ministered. And I'd go home and weep because I knew I wasn't worthy. And I knew it wasn't me. And I knew it was the grace of God. God, we thank you for grace tonight. Because it was great grace upon us that's brought us this far that set us in the positions that we're in, who's kept us sane for this long, who's helped us hold it together for this long. I'm not that strong. I'm not that talented. I'm not that gifted. It's just the grace of God. It's just this treasure that's stored up in an earthen vessel. And by the grace of God, we get to stand in these moments. And when we, when we, when we don't put the value on grace that we ought to, it diminishes our worship and our thankfulness and our gratitude because we don't really understand grace. Paul knew what grace was. Paul could look back and say, just by the grace of God. So I stand before you tonight before I even get ready to minister and tell you it's purely and completely by the grace of God that I'm here tonight, that I minister with my wife weekly, that I have three beautiful children who are coming up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. It's the grace of God. It's not because I'm somebody. And it's not because I have a routine or a ritual. It's the grace of God that has held me close. 
by the grace of God, we stand here tonight. Father, we thank you. We thank you tonight. It's by your grace that's held our families together this long. It's by your grace who has kept pulling us in and leading us out. We thank you for it tonight. We thank you for it tonight, Father. In Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, if you're just a product of grace, say amen. Wow. You guys are incredible for being here on a Saturday night. Courtney, will you bring this first row of lights up? Just the first row. I'm going to stall for just a minute. I think they got to set up streaming or at least get it rolling. Family. What's it? Built family strong. I'm excited about this. If any of you have been with us for a while, you know this is probably one of my favorite topics to deal with. Uh, By the grace of God, I found myself in the revelation of family probably a couple years back. And he has just been so good to me. He's been so good to me and my little family. Uh, That being said, I give honor to my family, the family I was raised in. Dad made a statement lately, (laughs) just through some stuff I'm dealing with and going through and healing. And and he said, man, I just, sometimes I, you know, I just wonder how, how did you, how did you do this for this long and raise a family that you've raised? And, And I said, two things. Acts, I believe it's chapter four, says great grace was upon them. And it was purely by the grace of God. And the second being the household that I was raised in. I know I, I, I talk about it a lot, and y'all probably can feel like I put it on a pedestal. Like I just had the perfect family. And we probably didn't, but I am incredibly grateful for my upbringing, for the way I was raised. I believe it was a huge part in me having the success I have in my little family. Uh And so tonight, I want to talk to you about family. I want to kick this thing off. Uh, I believe uh, just spent most of the day here in prayer today. Just I knew early on this week God wasn't going to allow me to write down much. And when I can tell early on that I'm not going to get to write much, (laughs) I, to quote Abraham Lincoln, find myself on my knees a lot because I feel like there's nowhere else to go and there's nowhere else to be. And and so this, this week, I have, as dad would say, prayed it hot. He's always told us, study it hard and pray it hot. Is there any way someone could snag me a bottle of water? I see you, Dustin. Dustin's got it. Thank you so much. Uh, in prayer today, I feel like God really set me up with the scripture to build on for this weekend what this weekend looks like, feels like, what, what we are to accomplish. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. I'm going to read several things out of the Passion tonight, uh, except for one scripture. But I want to read you, uh, if you want to write it down or go there, I'm just going to read this one scripture, but it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And I, I love the way Dr. Brian Simmons has translated this. 
Hebrews 11 and 7 says, By faith, or faith, (laughs) I'm reading it from the original. Faith opened up Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming. Even things that had never been seen. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God. Thank you, sir. Will you go ahead? Hi. Will you open that for me? Thank you, darling. Thank you, darling. Uh, where are we at? Faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned, but Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. Noah found himself in a unprecedented time. It had never been like it was at the time of Noah. Things have got, had gotten so bad, and the things that were getting so bad, in the midst of it, God comes and warned him, it's about to get worse. Some things are about to happen, even things you haven't even seen yet. Almost feels like the same thing we could stand and say today. We're in an unprecedented time. It's never been like this before. We've never seen it like this, and, and at the risk of taking a shot at your hopefulness, it's about to get worse. I don't know if you understand this, but the situation that we're in, but, but I'm telling you, there's some stuff that even I personally am struggling with in this text tonight, but I'm just going to give you the Bible beyond my own understanding in some places and even in the areas I I heard once that revelation is found in the tension of seemingly contradicting statements in the Bible and when it seems so contradicting you have to press in really hard and find the revelation in it and I feel like that's where I'm at right now of 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 it seeming almost contradictory but I'm pressing in because because there's revelation in this and so we we come up on the story of Noah And I I love Noah because he spends, what is it, 120 years? 120 years giving his life to something. And at the end of it, it saves his family. Now, in the modern day church, you would be a failure. If all you could do was convince your little family, then you failed because you didn't have the following, you didn't have the clout, you didn't have the stage, you didn't have, you didn't have all those things. He spends 120 years and he is considered, he goes down in the hall of faith because it saved eight people and all of them were his family. They were his kids. They didn't get to say no. <laughs> his family. I love this scripture and I want to talk to you tonight about building an ark. And I did some deep study on an ark. And the word ark comes from a, uh, um, yeah, what they used to speak back then? Um, Hebrew word. That's what they spoke. A Hebrew word that I'm not going to pronounce. But let me give you this deep revelation. It means a box. You're welcome. <laughs> they built a box. It was a really great box. But I want to show you something. And, and, and I'm going to try my best not to just read the whole story. I actually, man, I had such a good time this week and this morning just reading Genesis. You ever just go back and read Genesis? It's incredible. Uh, 
But I, I want to read just a little bit out of it and kind of set a, a foundation here. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, says this is the story of Noah. And Noah was, a, Noah was a godly man of integrity without fault in his generation. And he lived close to God. Wow. What a thing to say about Noah. But check this out. Injustice and violence filled the world. And the earth was ruined in the sight of God. For he saw how debased the world had become, for everyone was corrupt to the core. So God said to Noah, I have decided that all living creatures must die for their violence and all this craziness that's going on, on the earth. I'm going to wipe them out. And he goes through. But he tells Noah, well, what I want you to do is I want you to build an ark, which we know means a box. The thing about this box is it was built to float. This ark of sturdy timber... And this is how you are to design it. Make separate compartments within it. That means put rooms in it. And seal it inside and out. Make it waterproof. It's supposed to be this long and this high and this wide. Put a roof on it. But put a window in it. And construct a door on the side of the ark. So right now at this moment, before knowing anything about what the bottom of this looks like, I wish I could have set it up. I wanted to show you. If you follow those exact directions and draw it out on paper, you will draw a house, not a boat. If you use what we just heard and draw it specifically to what he said, it will look like a house. It will be a square with a window, a door on the side, and a roof on it. And it will be rainproof, which right now I'm staying really busy. Because of the hurricane, a lot of houses are not rainproof. But you see what I'm saying? God was telling him, I'm about to allow you to build something that would save your family and the world and what I'm asking you to build is a house. Now this house could float because of the impending destruction that was coming in the moment. His house had to float. God knows and is able to lead you in building your house to withstand whatever destruction is current for the moment. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, when he got ready to get somebody to build a house, he had to find somebody that was already close to him. The, he says, and he found Noah, who was full of integrity and lived close to God. He finds a man close to him and says, I'm going to teach you how to build a house, and this house is going to save your family. The salvation of your family is found in how you build your house. It's found in how we construct our house based on the, 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 the exact design I love it because from what I've found, there's two things where God is specific in how we design it. The ark and the temple. Both later on are translated as a house. You are the temple. You are the house of the living God. In whom, so he becomes very specific and very defined in how we build these things. Why was this so important? Why was this such a, a detailed thing? Well, let me show you something. I want to jump way ahead. Way after Noah. As a matter of fact, it's just before Jesus comes on the scene. It's the last of the Old Testament prophets. And as he's closing out an old covenant, he prophesies about the new covenant. And this is how he defines the new covenant. In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6 says, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And this last part of verse 6, I've wrestled with all week. 
and I've tried my best to find out how to make it palatable to you and to me because I have been fighting it in prayer. But he says, after this turning of hearts to families, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I looked up the word curse, and it's actually the same word used for destruction that's used when he talks to Noah. So the link is, in Noah's time, the hearts were not to the children. The hearts were not geared towards family. And because there was no family, because the hearts were not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, the hearts were not for the children. It was not for families. And the children's hearts were not for their parents. There was a, a div- division, a disconnect within the family. The result, the consequence was destruction which the Bible calls a curse. So now we wrestle with, well, did God cause the curse? Did God bring the destruction? Because God said, lest I come and curse the earth. And God sent the floods in Noah's day. So this is where I've been wrestling all week. This is what I've been fighting with all week. And I, tonight I'm not here to deal with, was it God? Is this God? Is, that's not what I'm after. What I am after to show you is that everywhere you find that the hearts of the fathers are not for families, or the heart of the people is not towards families, it's always followed with destruction. In every instance we come up with, in every time you see it happen, it becomes destruction. So the curse that we find ourselves living in, or the destruction that we find ourselves under, is the result of the hearts not being geared towards family. Dad made a statement this week, and I'm going to steal it from him. He may use it in the morning as well. But when God got ready to release the glory in the earth, what did he build? A family. So Satan decided, if I'm going to counteract God, I need to destroy one thing. The family. And, and there, has been, there has been a new device for every generation that has been an onslaught on families, just coming after family, coming after family. And I love the scripture we started in Hebrews because it says, and God warned him of what was to come so that he would build something that would save his family. I am all for the call to save the world, to save the planet, to save the cosmos. But often it becomes the very tool that distracts us from saving our family. And we see it on all fronts. We try to conquer the world as men and we try to conquer the world and make the most money and provide the best things for our family and we lose our family. We also see it in ministry where preachers will chase a big stage and a big platform at the expense of their families leaving the church. And Satan has just worked his way into every avenue of it. And he said, I don't need to do that. I just need to split the family. If I can separate the family, then I've done, I've undone what God did. I don't know if that's legal (laughs) to say it like that, but he comes after the family. So we find ourselves in such a parallel time that Noah was living in. Noah was living in a time that was unprecedented and things were happening that were direct, uh, a direct attack 
on families. And the families are separated. And because of the curse that comes with a disconnected family, destruction was following. And in the destruction, in the curse, Noah builds something that saves his family. He spends a large majority portion of his life building something to make sure he saved his family. I don't know what all I'm going to get to build in my lifetime, but I know my focus and my goal is to build a house that saves my family, to build a home that saves my family. Because everything in the world right now is coming after you and it's coming after your children. And they need a house that when all that starts rushing in, it rises above everything that came to destroy them. And when you lift, when you build a house that can withstand the storms and it can withstand the, the, the earth opening up and releasing something that swallowed up so many, he had built something that rose above it. And it soared, it floated across the top of what was meant to destroy so many. There's things coming into America right now, into our homes, into our situations, and it's meant to destroy the family. But can I tell you, my family will be built upon something and within something that's going to rise as this thing rises. And it's going to float above the destruction and it's going to be unharmed in this thing. Why? Because my wife and I are determined to step out, as it says of Noah, in reverent obedience to God and build an ark that would save my family. It's not popular, and sometimes my kids don't like it, and sometimes people say stuff about the way I raise my kids. But when the floods come, my kids will be floating in an ark, and it will not take their lives. The greatest scripture I believe, if Noah can look back now and read scripture, I am convinced that his favorite scripture is after they send the dove, they do all that, there's a scripture that says, and then his sons went out from the ark. That has to be the best scripture for him. That has to be the best scripture for him. The best scripture is, and my sons, my kids, my family was saved. Was it hard work? Yes. Every time he was cutting down a tree, Every time he was stripping a board, every time he was smearing that crazy stuff all over it to make it waterproof, and people were saying, you're crazy. That's over the top. You're doing too much. That's not how we do it in this generation. That's old school. That's not the way we do it anymore. That's not popular. That's not convenient. That's not easy. He kept building saying, but it's going to save my family. You can say what you want and do what you want and think what you want, but I'm building something. It's going to save my family. And guess what? When the flood came, all those who thought what he was doing was a little over the top, guess where they went running? To the one person who built something to save their family. It sounds like too much now, and it sounds super inconvenient now. But when the flood hits your home, you're going to be looking for someone who built a home that would rise above this situation. And we're going to be looking for parents and fathers and mothers who were willing to step out there, who were willing to risk being talked about or whatever it may be, who would risk not being best friends with their children because I'm here to save them. It's not easy, it's not convenient, it's not comfortable. 
Sometimes when I'm home at night, after I've worked all day, I don't want to do a lot. And my mind is tired and my body is exhausted. But every single night, every single night, I sit in that room and listen to both of my kids pray. And KG starts off every single night with, Father, I thank you for a beautiful day tomorrow. That's my, that's my scripture. And his sons walked out of the boat. Because what I'm building today is for tomorrow. And my daughter can lay there every single night and thank God for tomorrow because of what I'm building today. Hmm. I want to build something. If I go down in the hall of faith, I want Noah's. I want Noah's scripture. And he built something for the saving of his family. For the saving of his family. It was hard work. It was hard work. Man, I, I grew up, my dad owned a logging company pretty much all my life. I remember, <laughs> so crazy, we were talking about this the other day. If any of you know what it's like in the logging woods, especially back then, I mean, just trucks everywhere and skitters and chainsaws and trees falling and all that kind of crazy stuff. And I remember being very small. And sitting in the middle of the hall road, playing with trucks, in the middle of the hall road on a logging job. I was thinking, my gosh, OSHA would have a fit. But I grew up in it. And I grew up in it. It was still hard work. But I remember hearing them tell stories about guys like Brother Tanton and some of them who would cut down trees and cut up, I guess they were eight-foot pup wood. And then they would put them on their shoulder. And carry them out of the woods. It was hard work. It took effort. It took time. It took being willing to come home sore and tired and exhausted. Are we willing to build something if it takes that much effort? Are we willing to build something when it takes that much of a commitment that I have to stay on top of it? Yes, I know every single thing my kid's involved in. I know everything that he watches. I know everything that comes in front of his eyes. We, we are very, very overbearing. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that's a better word. We're very involved. Because when they write about me, when they write about my wife, they may be able to say a lot of things, but they'll have to say he made the sacrifices and he built something that saved his family. That's what this thing is about. Is God using this weekend to, like Noah, forewarn us that there's some things coming, so you better build in preparation for what's coming. You better build now to prepare your family for the saving of their souls. Faith opened his heart to receive revelations and warnings. I absolutely love the fact that I have revelations from Abba about my children. 
I have notes in my phone dated and written down of prophetic words he has given me over their life. But I don't just want the revelations. I want the warnings. <laughs> I remember one time coming home from school. And mom and dad were both sitting in the living room. And I knew, oh, God, this ain't good. When they're both there, as soon as you get there, you knew. So I started running through my mind. <laughs> what did they find out? Where was I at? What did I do? I was texting people. I'm like, I was with you from 4 to 3. That's how nervous I was. And mama would be in intercessory prayer in her end of the house, which was the opposite end of my room. And all of a sudden there would come a warning into a spiritual parent that would say, you need to go look at this. And guess who got busted? I did. I'm thankful now that I grew up in a home that didn't just give me revelations of how great I would be, also gave them warnings to keep me from being as bad as I could be. Oh, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I can't tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of CDs that my dad broke. And he didn't just throw them away. He made you sit and watch while he broke each one of them. Like some kind of sick game. I'm thinking, God, that was a whole paycheck. You just broke the whole thing right in front of me. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. But in the midst of it, they built a home, and I'm convinced it saved my soul. It wasn't popular being the preacher's kid. Especially once my friends found out that God would tell my parents things that I did. And they're like, no, nah, that's all right. We ain't rolling with you tonight. <laughs> that's all right. You're good. No, we ain't partying tonight. Don't tell Josh. He'll be there, and then his parents will know, and then we'll all get in trouble. It wasn't popular. And for my parents, it wasn't easy. Because me and my dad have always, as far as I can remember, been very close. Even through all the craziness that I did. And now considered to be some of the closest friends. So there's always that desire of when I take this step, I'm chancing the separation between me and my child. But it was in the willingness to risk the separation that now we have what we have today. Because of the willingness to step out and do the things that are not popular, that are not in today's culture, now I have the closest relationship with my parents. It's so close, it's weird. I'm just being honest. Most people my age have lots of friends their age, and on Friday nights, they go hang out and do fun stuff. Well, this Friday night, my wife and I went and sat at my parents' house and ate fried fish and just hang out and talk. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Bliss is like, bro, that's exactly what I want to do. You see, what, you see what I'm getting at, y'all? It's tough now. Building the ark was tough in the moment. But in Hebrews, when it says it saved his family, all of it didn't matter. It didn't matter how tough it was, how uncomfortable it was, how inconvenient it was. It didn't matter how much time it took and how much effort it took. None of that mattered when it saved his family. 
It was the revelations and the warnings that saved his family. So closing out the Old Testament lets us know that in the New Testament, there's a change coming. And the change is going to be him redirecting us back to family with the, father, the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to their fathers. And this is a desire. And he wraps it up with that crazy statement, lest I come and bring a curse. Well, if the curse of our hearts not being directed at families is destruction, then to avoid the destruction, or should I say reverse the curse, then we need to build something for families. Check out this wordplay. This is going to be really cool. You ready? So to reverse the curse, do you know what mountain the ark landed on? Mount Ararat. Do you know what that means? The curse reversed. The name of the mountain actually means Noah reversed a curse that came because of not being family-driven. And he builds something to save his family, and in saving his family, he ends a curse. What? You can't make this stuff up. That was just good. I'm just going to hang out in that for a second because that was that good. Destruction is always the revolt when the heart is not directed to family. And the word curse there in Malachi, like I said earlier, is a word that breaks down to destruction. So the way God is showing me right now for the destruction and the things that are happening in our nation right now that is an onslaught against every aspect of the biblical family. Everything you're seeing right now is going after a biblical family. And God is saying to reverse this destruction, you need to build something that would land on the top of Mount Ararat and reverse this curse. Build a family so biblical, so spiritual, so strong that it actually begins to be the very thing that tears down everything coming after the family. This weekend is built family strong. And I believe God's desire for the revival that is on its way and even beginning is going to be seen largely in the revival of families. Of bringing families back to the original design, the purpose, the plan. When God got ready, as I quoted Dad earlier, when God got ready to release his glory, he did it through a family. I want to know that I built something that allowed God to release his glory through my family. Through my family. You're going to hear a lot tomorrow night about what the enemy is doing. You're going to hear a lot exposing him. His plan, what he's doing, what he's going after in our children. And this, these couple of weeks leading up of us just doing some studying and some research and today somehow I ended up in a long research and just study even on Planned Parenthood and the, mo the things they have in motion right now and the things they're doing and, and what's happening and, and in, in a way it almost becomes overwhelming when you see 
that literally it's like hell has just unleashed everything. It's just a, it's, they're holding nothing back now. I, I believe Satan has come to the point now where he's saying, I'm going to take out the family at any means necessary, whatever it takes, at any cost, even at the cost of overplaying his hand and exposing some things, the enemy is after your family. Every aspect of it. If you have kids, oh my gosh, he's after the kids. He's after your marriage. He's after every aspect of family. If any of it looks like God's design of family, he's after it. He's be on guard. Be aware and ready for anything and everything. And most importantly, be in prayer. The Bible, we just read the scripture. He gave him revelations and warnings to the man that was close to him. Stay close to God. Stay in a prayerful state. Because there's things coming and there's things happening so quickly right now. We have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We have to have these revelations and these warnings that's protecting us and our families and teaching us how to build this box, how to build this house that saves a family. I'm, I'm moved and motivated in this, this direction we're in, this, this desire to see family healed and family restored and family brought back. And, and it feels like a lot of it is because it, it takes us beyond this idea that because we all come to church, then we all must be all right. We all must be good and everything must be great. And it's pushing us beyond that to understand that just because we're coming here and we're meeting here, think about how many families are gathering under the same roof and they ain't all right. It's, it's, it's divided. It's, it's, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's not good. And so like Dad said earlier, we want to go at this thing head on. And begin to build strong individual families because strong individual families create a strong church. One that is ready and prepared. And God began to release us today. Kamal has been doing some, some just sharing with us guys. On, and a lot of it is revolving around the idea of a lion. He's going to get to preach on a Sunday morning coming pretty quick. And I would be very surprised if it doesn't have something to do with that. But he's been sharing this, and it's been speaking to me on a lot of levels, just this lion and what it looks like and what it does and what it's about. And in doing so, I've noticed myself in prayer this week, even this morning in the prayer meeting we had, which was phenomenal, of this certain boldness that's coming with this revelation, that's coming with this desire, that's coming in prayer. And I, I really believe God is fixing to allow us to step in and begin to declare some very bold things. Begin to call people into another arena. To begin to call people into a place that God's not just going to bless you and be good to you and give you the things you've been after so that you can ride this thing out. That we start calling people up. 
This morning, he began to allow us to step in and start speaking into where are the fathers at? Where are the real men in homes that understand the, the, the reality and the responsibility of building a house that saves the children? And start putting a biblical perspective back into the homes of knowing the role and the position of the people who are in them. This is going to be a huge part of building these houses and building these families. God is going to start pushing some things and poking some things. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And we have to be ready to continue speaking boldly. Even when it gets uncomfortable. Even when it doesn't feel good. No matter what they said back, no one knew. To build a house that will save a family, I have to keep building telling you church we're at the point now where it's going to feel like that but if you want to build something that's going to save your family you better just keep building you just keep putting things in place you keep praying you keep being involved you keep pressing in and it's going to turn into something that you may end up with your own Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 where you save your family that's what I want for us that's what I want this weekend to begin in us. So you, I, I guess in a way I'm trying to warn you. <laughs> Maybe I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But as the enemy becomes emboldened, so will we. And the braver he gets, the braver we will get. And the more intense it becomes, the more we will ask of you. The more intense that it gets, the more that will be required out of you. The Bible says there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. And in the times of peace, what we've done is totally okay. But once we step into a time of war, the things that were tolerated during a time of peace are no longer tolerated. I've got some friends that served in the military and they, they told me of times how, especially one of them who was in the Air Force, that when they were here in the States and they had went through everything, he had become whatever he was in the military. He said, man, we'd sleep till 9 o'clock. This is the Air Force. This is the only one that got to do this, apparently. But he said, man, there was days we'd sleep till 9 o'clock. We'd get up, run a mile. We'd have coffee. We'd hang out. He said, man, I thought this is it. I could do this the rest of my life. And then we got shipped out. And then there wasn't no sleep until 9 o'clock. And there wasn't getting coffee when you wanted it. The place that he was in required more than the place that he was at. Church, we've stepped into an unprecedented time. And the place that we are in now requires more than the place that we were at. And if you continue to live like you did there, you won't make it here. Our sluggish, apathetic, no praying, showing up when we want to and doing whatever we feel like in the moment will not last when you step into this arena. When you step into this fight, the rules change. <laughs> the sacrifice is raised. The requirements, a, a word that the church absolutely hates, the requirements become greater. I want to be in the middle of this fight. I want to, this is a cause that I am behind to fight for the family. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.